Hi, my name is Sholi. I made that whipped Korean coffee that everyone was doing months ago. So my arm is really sore. <laughs> that was your workout arm, for the my day? My arm hurts. Hey, it's Emma. Since the last time we talked, I now have a home gym because my neighbors just gave us a stair stepper and an elliptical. So now what? I'm just like really strong. <laughs> I'm in really good shape all of a sudden. Just having the equipment makes you healthy. Mm-hmm. Well, we got it like four days ago, but I worked out almost every day. So, oh yeah, yeah. Were your neighbors moving? What? What? <laughs> No, they, that. they just like don't use the exercise equipment and they'd rather have a guest bedroom. They're like our surrogate parents or something or like our kids' grandparents. Aww. I know they're nice. I love Last it. Last night, they're like muffin delivery at the porch. I'm like, ah, yay. And you're like, you can't give me gym equipment and then muffins. <laughs> right. Those two like, things don't work together. Here to make sure you use that equipment. <laughs> We just gave you. It's really cool. Maybe one day we can do, I I read a thing, cribs, and we'll like walk around. Oh, yeah. (laughs) My crib is super nasty right now since we had to block everything off for the Portland fires. It's pretty gross. It's like covered in in just dirt. Like I didn't realize how gross everything was going to look, but I don't want to clean anything until like everything's done. Well, the air quality is better today. I think it's It's better, but it's still not good. I'm looking right now. I think it's just unhealthy. I was looking at the air quality index and every single site has a different index well, and every according- single site has a different like basic number. So it's all confusing to me. But the one that I liked the most was just based on like smiley faces, kind of like the pain scale at a hospital. I like that. It's really challenging to explain to a child like, no, I know that you feel like you could probably handle it going outside, but you can't. Mm-mm. They just don't get it. They don't get it at all. Yeah. Like I've had to explain to them multiple times, like, dude, no. Mm-hmm. No, it's unhealthy. No, you can't it's not go good outside. for you. Yeah, stop asking me. When we went to Target, <laughs> Mateo cried. He's like, me scared. Me need mask. I, oh, baby. We, we must have scared him. It's like, it's yeah. Well, it is scary. I mm-hmm. think it's fair to like teach that it's, you know, some things are appropriate to be scared of. Mm-hmm. Because to be honest, like, the only way that humans learn is either through fear or embarrassment. That's what you learn having a kid. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. we're dumb little creatures. <laughs> dumb little Speak monkeys. Speak for yourself, bitch. You're going to so tell us about monkeys, ready? right? Not monkeys specifically, mm-hmm. but I'm going to tell you about creatures and our ability to domesticate animals and, and kind of how we do that and what domestication of animals has done for us, including how we domesticated ourselves. Some of this information, by the way, is super theoretical. It could be true. It could not be true because Mm -hmm. it's like super, it's it's kind of, there are some new things in there, but I'm going to try to be as open with my lack of knowledge as humanly possible. (laughs) (laughs) Must have taken a lesson, taken a lesson from me. It's It's a shallow dive, but I still wanted to get like the basics of it somewhat correct because I feel like misinformation specifically on stuff like this uh, Mm -hmm. is a little bit problematic. I'm trying my best. I'll tell you if I don't know 100% that something's right. I'll do what I can. Just remember that I'm a moron. I am a dumb little monkey. (laughs) Disclaimer, two morons you're listening to right now. (laughs) 
Do you know kind of the difference between domestication versus taming? I think that domestication is like over time, like breeding, like certain characteristics into animals. And I think taming is like having a wild animal that you like use a hook to scare into submission. <laughs> I got dark. Well, right. Like at the circus. <laughs> there, okay. Well, we'll go ahead and say this. There are different ways to tame animals. Uh, a lot of people suggest that taming by positive reinforcement is a lot more effective than taming by fear. So that's something to know. But yeah, basically domestication is changing the genetic properties over a long period of time of a specific animal. Mm -hmm. We have domesticated a handful of animals, mostly mammals, some fish, some birds. So my bearded dragons are tame. They are not domesticated. If I were to put them in the wild, they probably wouldn't do great at first. Mm -hmm. um, and they might not do great at all, to be honest, which is why you should never release your pets, people. The main reason that I wouldn't reintroduce them to the wild, like if I took them to Australia, I wouldn't just set them free, is because they could then wreak havoc through like different bacteria and viruses on the rest of the population. But generally speaking, uh. these guys are not domesticated. We haven't completely change their genetic components and change them to an extent that we could consider them domesticated. Mm -hmm. I think they might even be considered semi-domesticated, which... The, the bearded dragons? I, I don't know how they determine what's semi and what's fully domesticated. Yeah. I, did I already have so that. many questions and like you haven't even shared anything really yet. <laughs> like my neighbor has a pig. It's huge. Like it's a huge pig. Is it like a pot belly? Yeah, it was supposed to be like one of those tiny pigs, but it's like huge. Like it's five feet long. Pigs and boars come from the same basic genetic components as far as I understand. So pigs are completely domesticated. They are not like wild boars at all. Anything that could live on a farm and be farmed is likely domesticated. Like, obviously, okay. I'm not going to say 100% because who the fuck knows. But then like in Hawaii, those those chickens and roosters that walk around are not domesticated. Actually, I don't know about that hmm. because they could be domesticated. And so you can domesticate something and still have it be feral. Okay. So you can be domestic and not tame. And you can be like tame. <laughs> oh my God, you're ridiculous. <laughs> so basically, like if you think about uh, feral cats or feral dogs, those are domesticated uh -huh. animals that are just not tame. Yeah, if you do not like socialize an animal like that within the first year, generally speaking, they're not going to be able to be tame. Um, there's like kind of a short window for imprinting wow. or whatever. Yeah. Or at least like building some sort of tolerance. Wow. So we've been domesticating things for a really long time. One of the first things that humans domesticated is dogs for obvious reasons. Like it's it's better These to hunt with cute. a dog. It's like <laughs> companionship. Dogs were also kind of domesticated for meat, but generally speaking, it was about protection, hunting, and companionship. And there is some evidence that dogs could have domesticated themselves like it was like a co-domestication we just kind of saw that humans were like getting meat and they were like hey these guys have food if i mm -hmm. make nice maybe i get some food too supposedly cats kind of did a similar thing like you know there are rats around the grains and stuff and cats were mm -hmm. like hey i take care of these rats you just let me do that and humans were like cool <laughs> you're cute <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of theories with domestication and it feels like it's all just kind of up in the air. 
So a lot of the stuff that I'm saying, like it's some people have posited that this is a thing that happened and some people are like, no, nah, this is not a thing that happened. So it's kind of like, who the fuck knows? But one thing that we do know is that domestication <laughs> creates very specific morphological trait changes. You breed a wolf for a long enough time, you get things like uh, patches of white fur or a shorter snout or floppy ears or rounded tail, like a curly tail. And hmm. this is kind of consistent across all domesticated animals. This is a thing that happens across the board. If you look at a pig, for instance, not the same as a dog, obviously, but you still get the floppy ears. You get a uh, more curly tail. You get depigmentation. You get a shorter snout. You get smaller teeth. If you look at archaic dog breeds versus hmm. like archaic wolves, things change. Face flattens, ears get floppy. Basically, the cartilage in the face kind of changes. Like a pug. A um, pug is just like the ultimate of that. So the pug is basically breeding in super recessive traits to the point of having like a, a breed of dog, essentially. We did keep breeding pugs to have shorter and shorter snouts, but that was like super selective breeding rather than like just domestication. So in all of these like mm -hmm. studies, they usually talk about archaic dogs instead of like current dog breeds because we have influenced dog breeding to such a degree that you really can't count that. So one of the cool things that uh, happened with our domestication of animals is that we were able to settle in communities. So because we didn't have to constantly hunt for our food and gather like in certain places, at the same time as we were domesticating animals, we were domesticating plants. So any plant that you eat at this point, which we're not really going to talk about plants, but any plant that you eat today corn or tomatoes, bananas, any of that shit has all been domesticated. Yeah. I remember like as a girl going to like a reservation or something, but, and like to look at corn, like real <laughs> corn. <laughs> I like the idea of like a whole bunch of white kids just going to a reservation to stare at corn stalks. Yeah. It was something, well, no, like to look at like the the corn, you know, and it was like multicolored and stuff. And there was like, yeah, like maize. Hey, white kids, look at this corn. But seriously, all right, go home. it's like diverse kernels as opposed to like the almost white kernels now. Yeah. And diverse is a really great way to put it because there is more diversity in wild populations than there is in domesticated populations a lot yeah. more. If you look at our closest cousins, the chimpanzees, they have two to three times more diversity in genetic makeup. Once the domestication process starts, it kind of bottlenecks yeah. almost. Wow. And there are even like some humans from specific parts of the world have more diversity in their genetic makeup because they stayed in one spot rather than traveling. People who traveled to Europe or like ancestors who traveled mm -hmm. to Europe had kind of a bottlenecking effect yeah. of genetics. Did you do a 23andMe? I haven't. I'm kind of worried about it. Why? I just don't like the idea of someone having my genetics. Uh. I don't know. And also like it's kind of cool. Like it so kind of feels I'm, like big brothery because like government is getting into like utilizing that information. Yeah, I know what you but mean. But I, I am interested. Well, it was cool like when I was pregnant with Mateo because he had this weird thing on his ultrasound. But because both Benny and I had done our 23 and me, I didn't have to get this extra test because neither oh. of us were carriers. It's what you're saying about staying in one place. So I'm an Ashkenazi Jew and that's it. I have nothing else in my DNA. <laughs> Like zero, nothing. That seems almost improbable. Uh -huh, but I think that's also because like in strict religion and stuff like that, like you have to marry within the same religion. And, yeah. and there's again that kind of bottlenecking that happens well, if you're only going to... 
I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that means my children are the first people in like my ancestral line to break that. That seems almost impossible to be 100% of anything. Well, I am. (laughs) You even see those stupid Nazis going on like the Maury Povich show and getting their DNA done and being like 5% (laughs) African-American. They're like, like, oh my God. African, not African-American, obviously. (laughs) But like, (laughs) which is like the sweetest retribution. I'm just like, ooh, does it hurt? I love it. (laughs) I'm kind of worried about seeing my genetics and being like, oh, you have this percentage of possibility to have like some weird die of some weird cancer. It'll like know if your big toe is shorter than your second toe or like if you have dimples or, or I could have something called maple syrup urine disease. Does that mean that you urinate maple syrup or that it smells like maple syrup? And then I give it to my kids on their pancakes and no, I don't know what it is. I think your your pee like gets mapley and smelly and thick. What the fuck? That's so weird. Or what if it's just like you have a an excess of sugar in no. your urine? Well, maybe. I don't know. It just said that I could have <laughs> have it. I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> My pee is not maple syrup, so I'm sure I'm okay. <laughs> I tried it and it didn't taste good. You would not be the first person to try their urine on this um, quarantine or so I've heard. (laughs) Domestication obviously helped us kind of lock into one spot. We didn't have to travel as often. We could create communities. We had a stable source of food, which helped in a lot of different things that we'll get into later. But basically, domestication has made it possible for us to be humans as we know them today for better and worse. Um, There are some people who think of domestication of animals as a kind of evolution of tool making, because like I said, the first animals that we utilized were dogs and we use them for very specific tasks. There is that theory that that can almost be considered another like tool making. And we had already been using fire and domesticating plants before this. Domestication of horses, unlike any other animal, has not changed their morphology very much. We now see more like demelinated kind of patches of fur and things of that Mm -hmm. nature. There's more like color variation. But in general, the horses are about the same size and there aren't like a whole bunch of changes unless we've like just bred the shit out of them. Right. Because there are like many different horse breeds. I think the ones that we've fucked with the most are the mini horses and shit Mm -hmm. like that. You look at those guys and you're like, you're very charming, but like you shouldn't exist. Kind of like pugs. I love pugs, but like they just shouldn't exist. I know. (laughs) little guys. Have you ever seen a picture of a pug before we started like overbreeding them? No, but I'm looking right now. They had like essentially like not a normal nose, but like a much more normal nose. Like they could for sure breathe. Oh my God, there's like just these little dirt pictures of them. Wow, in the 1800s. They're quite a bit different. Are you going to show your phone to the screen? Yeah. (laughs) Wow, look at this. I'll insert a picture too. But yeah, see, they had a normal fucking nose. Look at that shit. Like it wasn't normal, normal. Like it definitely wasn't wolf-like, but- It seems like their eyes were further on the side and less in front too. Yeah, the bulging eyes is another thing that came with the shortening of the nose. Like all of that shit happens together. Here's a there here's is a, a point modern where you pug. just need to stop. <laughs> just spit all over my microphone with that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, they look different. This one is very like very noble. He's like, mm. I am dog. I still can me. breathe. 
You I do not need to just clean my fine. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you don't have to clean my face with a Q-tip. <laughs> that's, like, that's what you have to do. Like wipe them. I out. don't need any sort of surgery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor little guys. I know what it sounds. So, uh, yeah. So dogs, cats. To some degree, like we have just now started breeding cats and to the point of being kind of ridiculously proportioned. But mm-hmm. in general, most cats. The other thing that we've domesticated are honeybees. So honeybees are quite genetically different from their non-domesticated wild counterparts. For domestication of just animals, I'm not going to talk about plants or anything else. Pets, livestock, and beasts of burden. So that would be like horses, donkeys, camels, the, those okay. kind of guys. Okay. So things that we can put to work, but we wouldn't necessarily care to eat. Let's see. So the other thing that domestication of animals created was the necessity of passing along information, large quantities of data, essentially, not just like, hey, food's located here, pass it on. But like, hey, mm-hmm. this is how you domesticate this specific kind of animal. This is what it needs to eat. This is how many we have. You had to have a lot of information. You had to be able to share it. So some people theorize that some of the earliest forms of written language were about livestock. Wow, that's interesting. And obviously, like I said, a lot of this is hypothesis because who the fuck knows? You put a (laughs) handprint on a cave and you're like, well, cool. Is that like five five cows? Yeah. <laughs> Depending on what like topic you're talking about, you're just like, <laughs> you know. The other thing that domesticating animals did was create a very nutritious and easy to get form of food. Our brain, it metabolizes so quickly. We have to eat a lot and we need to have that nutrition available very quickly. Otherwise, our brain suffers. So mm-hmm. for an animal that is growing the type of brain that we have, Mm -hmm. having that easy source of food. And in addition, having the ability to create and maintain fire and to heat and cook our food so that that nutrition was more readily available to our body. Mm -hmm. All of this created the perfect environment for us to evolve as a species. Wow. So cool. And it's really interesting too. Apparently, we essentially started walking on two legs because it's more efficient for us metabolically. More of our uh, nutrition goes to our brain and the rest of our body than into knuckle walking, which is what we did before. Interesting. Let's talk about what makes an animal domesticable. The first thing, the food preferences have to be kind of diverse and easy to find. We tried to domesticate cheetahs. Cheetahs are actually surprisingly gregarious. Like hmm. they're not super social in their own species, but they'll like be chill That's with each cool. other. Have you ever heard a cheetah purr? It is like the cutest thing. No. They're so charming. But you should definitely find an audio clip and play it right now. Oh, fuck yeah. Let's see. I don't think very many of the big cats can purr. Cheetahs and cougars can. I think tigers might be able to do some version of it, but it's not exactly the same. Yeah. But yeah, we couldn't domesticate cheetahs because they eat a lot of meat. Hmm. And when we are a species that needs a lot of meat, we don't exactly have any to spare. People are just the worst when it comes to animals. Like you cannot claim to be doing your best and feeding your animals rotten meat. And just Yuck. like doing math. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, rule number one, 
if you have a big cat sanctuary. No meth. <laughs> Rule number two, no murder. Rule number three, no rotten meat. Did you know that Carol Baskin's on Dancing with the Stars? I am not shocked because 2020 is the year of like just everything is happening. <laughs> I know. And nobody cares about anything. But holy shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I do not understand humanity. Me neither. Please don't do meth and have big cats. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not saying that she did meth. Yeah. But like or that kill whole your, situation. I don't think, I don't think either of those two, like the, the Tiger King or Carol Baskins was properly taking care of their animals. So like, yeah. I'm just not interested in seeing them. Rule number one would be like have diverse food. Mm-hmm. And this is the rules of domestication or what makes a domesticable animal. Uh, the second thing is rapid maturation. So we've tried to domesticate elephants. Elephants gestate for, I think, 20 months. And it takes them about 15 years to be sexually mature. Wow. That is way too long for a human to wait to be able to. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> because elephants eat a lot and it takes a lot to raise them and it takes way too long for them to be sexually mature and to reproduce. Furthermore, they only reproduce, what, one calf at a time? Yeah, it would take like 300 years or something. We have tamed elephants, but we do not typically tame male elephants because bulls are incredibly aggressive. Typically, it's going to be females and they're usually used for things like the horrible like slave elephants and like places like India where you can like ride them around and wow, I'm on an elephant. Uh, I Please did do that not do that, guys. I did that when I was in Thailand, but I was so young and like I didn't really know what I was doing and like looking back, yeah. I'm like, what the hell? I did that. Well, I like rode on an elephant and then I also went somewhere that had tigers and I was very, oh, no. I didn't like that. They were like hitting but the you tigers. Didn't know. Yeah. People are awful. Yeah. And there was like some like weird zoo at this place I went to with just like little tiny cages. And it's like after the fact, you're like, that was kind of fucked up. I also went to a cobra show where like a cobra and a mongoose fought in like an arena. That's insane. Elephants are way too smart. Their social structure is so defined that Mm -hmm. it is wildly inappropriate to to have them alone. So we (laughs) did not domesticate elephants. No, we should not not have elephants in zoos, in my opinion. No. I say we shouldn't have zoos. I think zoos do serve a purpose in like creating a a base of knowledge and an empathy for animals. Mm -hmm. But I wish that they were more ethically maintained. Yeah. So I would like to see like big open like enclosures and things of that nature. I feel like keeping 30 chimpanzees in a like very small enclosure Mm -hmm. is horrifying. Well, and I think that there's a problem with our local zoo in Portland doing zoo zoo lights and doing the concerts there because that that's disturbing. Like the low bass frequencies Mm -hmm. and just like there being all these lights lit up and people there and like It makes me sick. It makes, I really don't like it. People want to be close to animals, but they don't want to relate to animals as fellow citizens of the earth. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing. We want to believe that we are super advanced in that other, like there are a lot of people who believe that animals don't feel pain like we do. And it's like, all you have to do is see a dog get its tail stepped on once by a toddler, like Mm -hmm. not even a full grown human. And you will see that dogs experience pain. I've, I've cut Mila's nail too low. And she's like, oh my God, they freak out. It bleeds a lot. I cry when I hit the quick. I'm like, I'm so sorry. You trusted me and I failed. Uh (laughs) I I get all like upset and then I have to calm myself down. Like it's, you're not making it better. You're not making it better. You're making them more scared. (laughs) All right. Anyway, let's get back to what we have to have for domestication of animals. So So, a diverse diet. 
rapid maturation. Mm -hmm. So pigs are uh, really great to have because within six months, they are able to reproduce and they can have as many as 12 in a Mm -hmm. litter. Then the willingness to breed in captivity. If you have something like a panda, you are fucked. (laughs) There are a lot of animals who, unless certain, like the times are just right and like they are able to do their mating dance and like everything's perfect. They're able to like collect leaves and present them to their Uh like potential bay, they're not going to reproduce for you. So they have to be willing to reproduce in whatever circumstance. They need to be like sexual beings. Then they also have to be docile and or tolerant of humans, meaning they don't run away Mm -hmm. right away and they're not going to fully attack you, which is why a lot of people, not fully, just like a little attack, which is why a lot of people believe that wolves kind of co-domesticated with humans at first, because otherwise wolves will not come near you. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. What's up with zebras? Why don't we domesticate them? Oh, we're about to talk about that. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) So uh, apparently we tried to, so I'll get to zebras in just a second, but with the, uh, the docile and tolerant of humans, we tried to domesticate hippos, apparently. And we tried to bring them to Florida and they are so insane that you cannot domesticate them. You just can't. They're just way too aggressive. Wow. They do not tolerate humans to any degree and they are wildly dangerous. Same thing with zebras. Because you have to have an animal, this is the last thing that you really need, an animal that has a defined social hierarchy that you can manipulate so that you are the top dog, essentially. Zebras don't have any sort of hierarchy. Because zebras herd together, other people always think of them like horses. Yeah. Zebras don't give a shit about any other zebra. (laughs) (laughs) They herd because it's more efficient to keeping themselves safe. Yeah. There's, you know, safety in numbers, but if any other zebra gets attacked, they're just like, hey, fuck that guy. I'm not interested. I'm going to run away. Wow. They do not fight back on behalf of any other zebra. Not even like family? Nope. Wow. They do not care. Wow. <laughs> zebras give literally no fucks. Cold so we have zebras. tried this. We've sometimes been successful. There's this famous picture of a guy with a chariot with like zebras instead of horses. Yeah. But generally speaking, they are so fucking dangerous and they will bite and kick and like trample you. And it's just, it's not good. It's not good times, you wow. guys. So I, I did not realize how much of an asshole a zebra could be. Until I started researching this and I was like, I never want to be around a zebra now. (laughs) We've talked about now what it takes to find an animal that is kind of a good candidate for being domesticated. Now let's talk about what happens to animals when they're domesticated beyond just being like, you know, okay with humans being around. Right. More than 140 years ago, Charles Darwin noticed that domesticated animals shared some similar traits that were not present in the wild counterparts. Some of these characteristics include an increased docility and tameness, coat color changes, so like melanistic patches, reductions in tooth size, changes in craniofacial morphology, alterations in ear and tail form, more frequent and non-seasonal estrous cycles, and that one's important. What's an estrous cycle? So it's like your ability to reproduce. Oh, okay. So humans have a frequent and non-obvious estrous cycle. We are always able to produce during the year assuming everything's working as it should. Whereas if you look at chimps, they only reproduce during specific times. Hmm. And it's obvious when they are in estrus. It's obvious like when mating it's- mating seasons. 
yeah, it's like mating season, essentially. So estrous cycles, alterations in adrenocorticotropic hormone levels. So they'll have less adrenaline and less of a response to stress. And reductions in both total brain size and of particular brain regions. Hmm. Domesticated birds and even fish share some components of these kinds of traits, but generally we're going to be talking about mammals when it comes to this. The big thing that happens that, well, that people have figured out is kind of related to all of these traits is neural crest deficiencies. Do you know what a neural crest is? Because I didn't know. A neural crest? I don't know, but it seems yeah, like a neural t- crest cells. Like a, something that's at the tip of your brain or something. <laughs> 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 kind of. Brain tips. Kind of like the, the beginnings of a lot of different parts of your body. So when you are an embryo, the first thing that your embryo forms is kind of a neural crest. And then those cells kind of divide and split off and create a lot of different things. So some of them will go to your teeth. Mm-hmm. Some of them will go to your adrenal glands. Some of them go to your um, melanistic cells. Some of them affect like bones and, and your facial structure. So a lot of the domestication syndrome has to do with the fact that we were essentially inadvertently breeding neurocrest cell deficiencies. If you consistently breed for that, then over time, you're going to get those recessive traits coming in. But the biggest thing is the smaller or slow maturing adrenal glands. Over time, you have more of a window for creating an animal who is able to tolerate you. So I told you that dogs, you essentially have a year before like you will not be able to tame them to any degree. They'll never trust humans. That's essentially what's happening here. Wow. You're giving each animal kind of a longer maturation process mm-hmm. for being able to tolerate certain stimuli. And that has even happened with humans. We have a longer maturation process and we are more like babies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you look at a domesticated dog versus, or a domesticated archaic dog versus a wolf, the domesticated archaic dog essentially looks like a wolf pup. Hmm. So all of like the skeletal structure Kind of the same, yeah, cute. Especially with humans, if you look at humans, we essentially look like chimp babies. Basically, we have babyfied ourselves. (laughs) So yeah, we, and they call that neotenic characteristics. So essentially we are, we create less sexual dimorphism and we create more of a window for um, maturation. So more resilience and like stress building and things of that nature, mm-hmm. where we're going to have more time to grow up and to become accustomed to specific stressors. Right. Based on my understanding, obviously. Uh-huh. <laughs> I could be totally wrong. <laughs> that sounds right to me. Let's talk about self-domestication. Self-domestication has happened in more than just humans. Bonobos are a really good example of what people consider could be self-domestication. Bonobos are essentially related to chimpanzees, but they are almost polar opposites. Bonobos are super social, highly sexual, very playful. They have a longer maturation process. Chimpanzees are murdering and raping machines. Uh. (laughs) It's it's horrifying. That's kind of a a source of contention among some experts because they're like, well, we don't know that chimpanzees didn't break off from bonobos and then become crazy violence. We have no idea. And that's true. But like, I don't know. I think it's worth mentioning that people think bonobos actually broke off from chimpanzees and essentially because apes can't 
swim. Most apes can't swim. Yeah. Um, they're separated by a river. That essentially puts them in a completely different planet. They had no impact with other ape species, which chimpanzees actually have to directly compete with gorillas. Wow. So it makes sense yeah. that they would be a lot more aggressive. Uh-huh. Whereas bonobos are just like sleeping, fucking, <laughs> making babies, eating. <laughs> Loving they got no competition. Life. Yeah. Yeah, just loving life. So self-domestication is described by biological anthropologist Richard Rangham as being in an environment where lessening of aggression was beneficial for survival. There is another thing called island tameness, where in close proximity to other animals and also less direct contact with what some would consider to be like predators, kind of creates this almost what someone described as ecological naivete. So it's basically like they don't know what to be afraid of. So they're just like, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. Never seen you before. Yeah. Let's talk to you. Why are you killing me? (laughs) (laughs) They actually did a study for island tameness and a comparison of 66 species of lizards found that flight initiation distance, which is basically like how close to a lizard you could get before it was like, fuck off. Yeah. It decreases as distance from the mainland increases and is shorter in islands than in mainland populations. So they'll basically like let you come closer because they don't know what the fuck you are. Yeah. Cats and dogs very well could have kind of co-evolved and then we took over from there. And people are kind of leaning towards some co-evolution of both cats and dogs. But I also read somewhere that cats were domesticated twice, like once in the old world, once in the new. I'm not really sure. I didn't get into it. Yeah. Cats are kind of like its own separate topic because they are insane. Um, I think it's also interesting because domestication will often produce animals who utilize vocalizations that are more like human. Hmm. So cats generally, especially African wild cats, are not going to make noises. Unless they're mating or fighting. They don't have human sounds. No, not at all. But domesticated cats will make sounds that are very reminiscent of the same kind of quality of tone of a crying child. Yeah. So it's almost like they learned, this is what gets me the food. Mm -hmm. If I cry like a baby. Interesting. I get what I want. And they're... There's also some study that says that like a specific type of purr, because cats have more than one kind of purr. One is contentment, which is like a very like low frequency, like rumble. Mm -hmm. And another is kind of a higher pitch. And that mimics the same tone of like a crying newborn. Wow. It's just so fucking weird. Yeah, it's really Um, interesting. Yeah. And dogs have done something kind of similar. Like humans have actually co-evolved with animals to be able to recognize specific tones and patterns. Mm. Like even if you don't see a dog, you probably know if a dog is barking because it's happy, barking as an alert, mm-hmm. barking because it's scared. Mm-hmm. Like we can actually kind of tell what's going on with them based on the tone of their bark. Oh, for sure. Without yeah. any other input. So some people think that we evolved language in part because of our association with other species. Yeah. That we were having to pay more attention. So our language developed a lot more complexity. Yeah. Something that's interesting about this too is that there are society finches. Um, essentially, a society finch is a domesticated version of a Bengalese finch. Hmm. Bengalese finches have, I would say, not super complex vocalizations, whereas society finches have incredibly complex vocalizations. This is domesticated version of this white lump pneumonia. You see this is time and frequency, and let's hear how does it sound like.
Quite complicated. Now, let's hear the white lumped moonier song. Okay, I did it. And they've put wild finches in with the domesticated finches to see if like maybe if the society finch raise the wild finch, if they would learn to create the same vocalizations, mm -hmm. they do not. Wow. So there's a change in the brain yeah. and like the communication part of the brain or the speech part of the brain. Yeah. Like that, just like how we can't teach our dogs to speak English. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But our dogs still create more elaborate patterns of vocalizations. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about humans because humans apparently, partially at least, self-domesticated. So these are all theories. I feel like they're, I would say that they're pretty believable, but obviously I'm not a scientist or an anthropologist, geneticist. I'm, I'm none of those things. Some people say that contemporary reproductive technologies such as selective abortion and genetic screening are typical examples of where our self-domestication is most directly apparent. Yeah. Right, it's philosopher Masahiro Morioka. That person also said, through domesticating ourselves like cattle, people began civilization. A lot of the case for humans self-domesticating really has to do with kind of our propensity for violence as a species before we started mm -hmm. coming into close contact with, you know, other members of our same species. A lot of people believe kind of reactive aggression in a tribe, obviously not super useful. Members of the tribe who had that kind of reactive personality yeah. were either ostracized or killed. Yeah. Our propensity for reactive aggression ended up turning into proactive aggression mm -hmm. by forcing people out or right. killing them yeah. as like you know, penance for whatever crime they committed. And then like children the in that tribe or whatever see those people being killed or exiled and then they don't act like that. Hopefully. Or just they're not in our gene pool anymore. And it just happens to be that, you know, those neural crest cells creating the the larger adrenal glands, like maybe we were just like shrinking our adrenal glands yeah. over time by selecting out those members who were super violent and not useful. Because the other thing that has happened, if you notice us versus a chimp, which is our closest relative, essentially, mm -hmm. our faces are pretty flat. Like we have a lot of the domestication syndrome traits. No floppy ears, no curly tail. We do have cartilage changes. Uh -huh. I mean, that could just be like our version of the floppy ear. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you look at all of it and you see that humans, we have a much longer maturation rate. We have more morphological differences with, you know, other humans. So there is a lot more variety in the way that we look, which is unlike any other ape. Uh -huh. Like all apes have, like, you can tell the the members of different ape groups apart, but as far as like different skin tones, hair colors, all of that stuff. Yeah. That is based on like melanistic changes that come from neural crest uh -huh. cells. A lot of the things that we see as domestication syndrome, we we totally have that. Wow. I thought that that was the most interesting part of this. Yeah, it's really interesting. I went interesting. in thinking like, why can't we domesticate zebras? <laughs> and I was like, we domesticated ourselves. Whoa. Magic. <laughs> That's interesting. It's really, really interesting. I think it's really like it, it makes you feel more empathy for humans if you think of us as like neotenic apes. Like we're just little baby men. Uh-huh. Oh, you're cute. But I think it's it's also interesting seeing how I'm not saying that we're any more violent than we ever were because I honestly have no fucking clue. I didn't look that up. But uh the overpopulation of the world and us being in closer and closer proximity is now having the opposite effect in that 
places that are overpopulated have more violence. And that could be from any number of things. But the idea that we domesticated ourselves because we were coming into closer contact with each other. And then the idea that our overpopulation is leading to more violence is fascinating and horrifying. Yeah, (laughs) it is. It is fascinating and horrifying. Are we going to de-evolve? I don't know. I mean, technology is de-evolving us, I think. Oh, for sure. And I think it's causing violence. Yeah. By humankind creating technology, like we are stopping our own evolution or something. Yeah. I wonder exactly how much change has happened since like, and and we wouldn't know for like hundreds of years from now, but how much change has happened since we've had like mass communication devices. Yeah. Right. Me too. I'm really interested in seeing like the long-term effects of that. Well, I do I know. won't be alive. I know. But. <laughs> Maybe we will be. Maybe there'll be technology to like keep us alive till... I'll keep my brain in a jar. No, thank you. Kill me. Right? Let me die, please. <laughs> yeah. But I know for sure, like, our brains don't work as well as they did before. I can't remember a recipe that I've looked at like 40 times, and I have to keep looking it up over and over and over again. And it's because, like, my brain is like atrophying because I'm relying on search engines. Not- yeah, I guess that's true to a certain degree. I, I've never been good with directions, but I'm especially bad now. I know where I'm going. I've been here a hundred times, but let me just put on the navigator just in case. Yeah, just to make sure. Just to be sure. But then you could think of it the other way. Like does not having to think about that, kind of like not having to think about finding food created an ability for us to develop more culture. Yeah. Not having to think about all of those little things create more opportunity for evolving in other ways. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, th- I'm pondering it. <laughs> I'm pondering that. It's hard not to see everything as like falling apart right now. Yeah. But it helps me to think that maybe I just can't see the overall good that's happening. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take that. I have to take anything. Everything's on fire and everybody's sick, so. Literally. Everything sucks all the time. Uh-huh. Are humans getting better? <laughs> we'll see. I mean, it's it's kind of... It's impossible. It's impossible not to think that things that are evolution in certain aspects are our evolution and technology is not making us like more reliant on it. But in a way, like that is what happened with every single new piece of technology. Well, yes. Like we can't live without fire now. No, we can't live without fire. But I think the pro- the difference is that fire doesn't alter the way that we see the world, like in relation to other people. You right. know, like That's fire, true. fire is a tool that we use to make us warm. When we use a fire, like we don't criticize the way other people are using a fire. You I know do. what I mean? <laughs> well, maybe we're like you every suck single time at building fire. But you know what that I mean? It's fire like, is bullshit. there's not like tons of different facts about i don't know maybe the fire is a bad analogy but five ways you're fucking up fire (laughs) (laughs) i can't date people who build fires like that narcissistic fire builders (laughs) yuck i don't know i just watched that movie last night the social dilemma and i'm just feeling Mm -hmm. like it's the end of the world for me i feel like it's the end of the world the more i look at like different animal species and how we're destroying all of them Yeah. I'm just like, you know, even if we survive all of this, like long term within like hundreds of years from now, we're not going to have like half of the wildlife that we had. Well, what do you think? So in relationship to what you've been talking about, how do you think like animals, like how are we contributing to like helping them survive in a new world? Or like, do you think that they are evolving in a way to like, you know what I mean? Like our... You can look at wild animals being less hesitant about approaching metropolitan areas as a kind of like neural crest deficit. 
because they are approaching now. And it's not like they're not afraid of us, yeah. but they're they're less hesitant to like dig through our trash. Like That's we're creating sure. a kind of like desperation. So there's this beach, again, from my like Thailand trip, I was just seeing all sorts of exploited animals. <laughs> um, Fully participating in exploiting animals. God, it was, it was a long time ago. This 2020. Like 15 years ago or something. Uh, okay. <laughs> so 13. 2005. Yeah, yeah, like 2007 or eight. There was a beach called Monkey Beach and the beach was like filled with little monkeys, like the cute ones with like the small heads. They're cute. I don't know what they're called. with like little tail like this. Yeah. Are they the like ones the that hang from a barrel? Ones? Like when you get those barrel monkeys. <laughs> so the beach was filled with these monkeys and they've become so used to humans coming to the beach to see them that they became like mean and like food stealers and like they'd like scream at you. Their entire like way of being a monkey is different. Yeah. Because of like the human impact. There are places in, I think, India where gibbons are just horribly aggressive and people are awful to them too. So it's like, well, they have a right to be aggressive. Yeah. Like you'll see monkeys walking around with like missing hands. Oh my God. It's horrifying. To be fair, some of them are like so aggressive that they are like dangerous, but yeah. also we've encroached so much upon animals' lands right, that like how can we not expect this to happen? It just messes with them. Like even the ducks at the park, it's like we shouldn't be giving them bread. Oh, I don't give them bread. Yeah. I give them cracked corn. I didn't know that, but I do know you're not supposed to give them bread. Yeah, no bread. Because it uh, upsets their digestive system. Yeah, and then they like don't try to eat regular duck food. They're just like eating bread. Oh my God, someone was feeding them Cheerios last time I went there. There's signs now. Like if you go, there's signs that are like, please don't feed the birds. Like it's fucked up. I think it's illegal. You could probably like- Probably get- You could like like, call the cops or something, but that just seems so like Karen. Someone's feeding the ducks. I'm calling the cops. I mean, Ripley and I have had like whole conversations about how even if we- want to feed them specific things, we really can't. We can't leave Mm -hmm. anything around because if they eat them, they could get horribly violently ill. Yeah. And die. Yeah. Like it's not worth it for my like limited enjoyment of their presence to (laughs) right. Yeah, they're here. Feed them some shit that's not good for them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you can give them cracked corn technically. Like I know you're not supposed to feed them there, but now I know. <laughs> yeah, you can go to like a feed store and like yeah. get a whole big bag of cracked corn. Well, like sometimes when you go to certain places, you can buy like that, like feed. They'll give yeah. you feed to like give to the animals or like. Yeah, it is really fun to watch them eat because they essentially just attack it. They're <laughs> just so like, cute. oh my God. I like, I like ducks. I don't like geese. No, because geese are fucking awful birds. Yeah, geese can rot in hell. Geese, swans. Uh-huh. Fuck them. There's this meme that's like things that are good about certain types of animals. And it's like bats eat insects. Um, Bears do X, Y, Z. Possums do this. Geese. Ducks. (laughs) (laughs) Like it just completely leaves out anything good that geese do because you're just like your assholes. Yeah, geese don't do anything good. I'm sure they do something. I just don't care. (laughs) They're dicks. I got attacked by swans when I was a kid and now all like giant birds like that. I'm just like, well, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. No, thank you. Rotten XOXO. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's all I have about domestication. That's That was shallower than I thought you would do. I have a lot more information that I'll put in the blog, mm-hmm. but it's like I tried to go as shallow as I possibly could because I was like, look. That's interesting. Calm down. I liked it. I know. I guess soon we have to dive deep again. It's not summer anymore. When you guys are listening to this, it'll be two more weeks before 
we get into spooky season and we come back. Spooky. Oh, I can't wait. What am I going to talk about? I was thinking maybe for one of the episodes, we could do ghost stories. That's fun. Like just tell, tell scary each other stories. spooky stories. That sounds like fun. Oh my God. I listened to this like a horror kind of podcaster guy who just tells like creepy pasta and shit like that. He told the most horrible story. Creepy pasta? Is that what you said? What's that? It's, uh, I don't know if that started on like Reddit or 4chan or something, but it's just like a scary urban legend or something like where people make up a story as though it's real and it really happened to them. It's kind of like the whole like man with a hook okay. thing. Yeah. So uh, that's where <laughs> um, Slender Man. Yeah, I was going to say, it's that Slender Man. Yeah. I have somehow convinced my daughter that it is actually creepy pastry. So now that's what she calls it. Oh I'm like, I'm not going to correct that you. That is so funny. I'm going to feel real bad when you say it to someone and they're like, it's creepy pasta. <laughs> You're like, well, <laughs> that's mom, not what my mom cute. said. I was just joking, but you took it seriously and I thought I was charming. I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, the story was about a man who is inexplicably like locked into place in his driveway and he couldn't move. And anyone who tried to help him or to get him to move would just like somehow when they got close enough to him would be like, oh, I shouldn't move him. Weird. There's like this invisible force, like keeping this man there. People would help him and try to help him, but they would never be able to like get him to move. And he was like desperate for people to help him. (laughs) And then eventually people just stopped looking. Oh, it was like, that's sad and scary. This is like more supernatural, but it's like so fucked up. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, like someone said, why do you keep trying? Why don't you just let yourself die? And he said, to spite you assholes. (laughs) Because they stopped looking. They stopped caring. I thought that was a really great story. Yeah. I won't be telling that story. I'll tell a different one. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought that would be a good like low stakes comeback. Mm -hmm. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Okay, you guys, you have been listening to I Read a Thing. We are going to be coming back just in time for spooky season. So when you are listening to this, you have two more weeks before we come back in October and we will be telling ghost stories Mm -hmm. as we literally just said, if you don't remember. (laughs) We were just talking about it. I worry about you if you don't remember that we said that. You can find out more about us on ireadathing.com and you can listen to us wherever you stream podcasts. You should also go to our Apple podcast page and review us. Please. But only say like wonderfully positive things. Five stars, two thumbs up. Beautiful, funny girls. Five stars. I learned a lot about sandwiches today. You know, something weird. Yeah. Anything. <laughs> Five stars. Geese are assholes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Have it be completely not anything that makes sense to a person not listening. I know. I actually haven't lo- looked at that in a little bit. I think we're still on uh, 13 overall reviews. What? 13 yeah. assholes. Come on. I know more of you are listening. I know probably I know, right? a lot of you like care about us in real life. So. <laughs> IRL. <laughs> I like how you just called all of them assholes. That really makes a person want to leave a five-star review. <laughs> Good job, Emma. <laughs> we will see you next time. We appreciate you. We love you. We do. We hope you are doing well. We hope you're not burning or sick. I or know. Being attacked by geese. Mm-hmm. Wear your mask. Watch Social Dilemma. Or don't. It like messed me up. I feel like. <laughs> Watch Social really Dilemma scared. and lay on the floor. Yeah. I know, Betty's like, are you crying? I'm like, I am. You're crying, asshole. The world's falling apart, but we will still be here for you. Mm-hmm. I think that's the lesson for today. Yep. All right, you guys. Mwah. Bye. See you next time. Bye.